Welcome to the Pitting Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs. Ready to discuss wrestling uh, at the college and high school level as things approach the postseason for uh, college programs and the prep, uh, the prep season is now uh, officially in the books. Um, let's just jump right into it from uh, Sunday. Iowa celebrated senior day against uh, uh, Wisconsin and um, Hawkeyes, as J.R. Ogden uh, uh, put it, kind of righted the ship a little bit uh, with a uh, lopsided victory over Chris Bono's uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Right, and the and the two Badger wins were highly ranked and and uh, still good battles, I guess, um, at least at uh, at one sixty five. So uh, it was a good showing. I agree. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, some of the some of the wrestlers that uh, some people were looking to to kind of be more offensive uh, put up some points. Uh, Real Woods being one of them, he looked uh, kind of closer to his old form. Um, you know, what did, what did you see about some of the guys that uh, that were able to put up points this well, weekend? I mean, if you look at the match scores, like, you know, uh, Teske put up 19 points on the board. Woods got the fall. Uh, Rachi got put on, put you know, one eight to one. Uh, Frannick one put 17 points on the board. Uh Kennedy, 19 points on the board. Glazier, 13. Hill, 11. I mean, so they really amped it up. And, uh, you know, that's just what Iowa needed to springboard them into the uh, Oklahoma State meet, I think, you know, and rebound from the two losses. Uh, Interestingly, uh, we saw Gabe Arnold again, uh, this time at 184. Um. I believe he's listed in the probables at uh, 184 with Aiden Riggins. I mean, is this the uh, a sign that uh, we could expect Gabe Arnold possibly at 184 for the postseason? You know, I th- I was thinking that this morning. I think if they wrestle Arnold, and depending on how how he does, uh, you, you know, I that could happen. Even though he, you know, I think he. You know, he'll say out loud that he'll go do whatever the coaches uh, want him to do. But I, I think he would prefer seventy four. You know, you know, with the you know, although Iowa's pretty set at seventy four, so uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm not, you know, an eight to six win over Shane Legal is a nice win. Legal's a great wrestler, but that doesn't show me a whole lot yet. So, um, I think Legal's ranked sixteenth or whatever like that. But, you know, I know Shane Legal pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, both uh, Arnold and Keeter um, listed with uh, um, in the probables, uh, Keeter and Bradley Hill. I still think that one's going to be, you know, that's another tough decision with, uh, you know, what do you, what do you do? What, what do you do with uh, those freshmen? And I know that's something that, uh, you know, Tom Brands mentioned in the press conference uh, yesterday that, you know, they they like both of them, and and it's a decision that they've got to that they've got to come to, and I don't think it's really set yet. But, you know, 
if Arnold Russell's against Oklahoma State, I think he's he's in. Um, and I think heavyweight will come down to maybe the week of of deciding who's going to go. Well, if he wrestles against Oklahoma State, he's wrestling against Platt, who is the number two ranked wrestler, at least in Intermat, in uh, and, and a lot of other polls as well. And so if he if he wrestles at 84, doesn't do well, I don't think he, you know, that could maybe pull him out of the lineup. Yeah. You know, I, I can't help but think that there's two guys that are really talented wrestlers. And, and do you pull the shirt off uh, or do you wait? And maybe next year they win a national title, you know, uh, and become a potential four timers. You know, I hate to say that, you know, when the, but, you know, that's something that's probably in their thoughts. And I don't know. But uh, if it was me, I'd, I'd have to see the results against Oklahoma State in, at both, you know, for both of them before I made my decision. And right now, I'm leaning towards redshirt. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think this is the most uh, people Iowa has listed in uh, their probable lineup in a long time. Um, you know, it's good that they have that depth. We should, Kind of saw that at the beginning of the year where some parts were kind of interchangeable uh, a little bit, but in the probable lineups, you've got both Shriver and Teske listed uh, at 33, 49. You've got Rachi and Voinovich, which uh, it'll be interesting because Voinovich will be heading back to uh, Oklahoma State where he just transferred from. Um, I doubt there'll be a warm welcome if uh, he takes the mat uh, there at 149. Um, then you've got Riggins and Arnold at 84, uh, Hill and Keeter, um at heavyweight. So, you know, outside of those, uh, the guys in the middle of the lineup, uh, and then, you know, Ayala and Glazier, uh, we could see quite a few different bodies uh, take the mat on Sunday. For Iowa, which is a good thing, but also, I don't know if this is maybe one last way to kind of settle things at those weights. Right, and I, I, I think there's more of a question at at 33 because it's to me that those guys have performed probably at about equal level, um, Teske and Shriver, uh, you know, and and I guess. It, I, I lean a little bit towards Rachi at 49. And then we already talked about, about 84 and heavyweight. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there, yeah, there's some big questions you know going on still. Uh, Rachi, I think has really helped himself by not just uh, how he's competed. It's, but the, the way he's competed, not the results. I mean, uh, but the way he's competed. Um, you know, he's been, I think he's been offensive. He's, he's been aggressive. Um, and I, and I think, uh, I, I think that's probably kind of helped his cause obviously, but also that kind of, that style of wrestling is, is what's preferred. So, uh, I think that's helped his case really kind of kicking things up a notch. Okay, so at 33, obviously Oklahoma State is strong, and it's about fixes eighth year or something like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, I mean, fix obviously is incredibly good. Ranked two or three, in, depending on whatever poll you're looking at, and is capable of being a national champ. So do you throw, you know, if Teske and, and Trevor are at an equal level, do you put one out there to, to maybe, I don't know how, why you would need to protect, I guess, uh, the other one when it comes to a, to a national seed, but, but uh, you know, that's going to iron itself out for the Iowa wrestlers at, at big 10, I guess. So that's, I don't know. What do you think on that KG? You know, I think there have been instances where not that, uh, not that they're conceding anything because the person they put out there, they expect to win. Right. That's, right. I don't think there's any coach that does that. But I think there's been a, a pattern in the past where uh, Tom Brands has gone gone with a guy that will might keep things closer, a guy that's stingier, right, in hopes that uh, they can keep things low scoring. And then when, you know, uh, we saw him do that with, uh, I think it was Tyler Clark. Uh, like Clark and Ramos. I think there's a couple times where uh, Ramos was the guy, but they went with Clark uh, in a couple couple matches just because he he could lock things down. Um, it might be a little stingier with giving up points so it wouldn't give up bonus or be able to stay in the match. Um, I think we saw that with uh, maybe Voinovich going at 149 against Michigan, uh, against Gomez, somebody that would be a little stingier and, and not uh, maybe get into flurries and scrambles that could benefit the, the other wrestler. Um, and we saw that was only, what, a 5-0 uh, match, only five points scored. Um, so... I, I could see that being the case here. Um, if that was the case, I think that might fit. That might be better suited for Shriver um, to just kind of keep things locked down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think right now it's six of one, half a dozen of the other as far as who goes um, at 133. But you the way up. Tesky wrestled Sunday – you know, he's got to be feeling pretty good about where he's at. Right. And you bring up a good point about different styles. You get maybe one wrestler on your team that's a little more defensive, like you said, another one that is a threat for a for a feet-to-back pin or, or a, you know, a cradle catching or something like that yep. that can put, you know, 16 points on the board. So, yeah, depending on where they're at in the dual meet and whether they might need to have that that threat to to pin or or get bonus points uh then, then they, that might uh, might alter their decision or or help them decide so yeah we'll see you know oklahoma state uh only other undefeated or unbeaten team um besides penn state uh the cowboys are number two obviously a big uh boost for them was bringing coleman scott in as an assistant coach uh actually listed as the associate head coach um, coming in from his uh, role as the head coach at North Carolina. Um, but certainly have seen kind of a boost in the Cowboys this season. Um, 
couple of matches that really kind of stand out uh, to me. You, you've mentioned a few, but, uh, you know, that 165-pound match, um, you know, between uh, Olenek and Caliendo, um, I, I think that's a big one. That could be huge for uh, for Caliendo um, to really kind of get things going uh, back in the right direction after, uh, you know, the last – the two duels before Wisconsin. Um, then you've got, you know, uh, Pagan Jameson, uh, top 10 kid, um, just a red shirt freshman. I think that'll be a good test for real woods and, you know, he, him coming off a nice, more dominant win uh, against Wisconsin. Uh, that could be a nice, uh, nice test, a, a good match to propel him into the postseason. And then uh, I also look at 197, too. Uh, that's, uh, you know, Serber is a, a wrestler that's had some good outings, uh, very beatable by, you know, some mid-range wrestlers. Um, but for for Glazier, uh, not just a win, but if, if, he, uh, if he posts a, a pretty dominant performance, you know, that's uh, – I think that just is another – uh, that could be another example that he's ready to to kind of be on that podium verge and and what could be a wide open weight class. Right. So I I, I did look at the matchups today and I'm going wow the this is really going to be a fun meet. It, you know mm -hmm. I see I see Iowa favored in four, Oklahoma State favored in four, and I have two toss ups in the in really. Each team that they're favored in could, you know, they could reverse that decision quite easily. Like, like uh, you mentioned it at 65, I had, I had Olenek favor there, but just slightly. And then, you know, uh, you know, Frannick is Russell and Travis, and that's a close match. And you mentioned 97, that's one of my toss up matches. Uh, you know, servers as high as rated as high as uh, 11th and Glazier's as low as 12th. You know, he's eight, anywhere from eighth to 12th. So, I mean, that's mm -hmm. one. You know, it favors maybe Iowa slightly, but it's a toss-up. So it's it's going to be a fun meet. And then uh, you know if, if Iowa throws um, Arnold in there, you know I'd still favor Plot, but that that would you know, maybe take away bonus points, uh, you know, or or maybe Arnold pulls the upset. So uh, sure. Anyway, uh, so it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, uh, without a doubt. I think any of those, uh, you know, one twenty-five. That's a match that. You know, on paper, you, you think favors Ayala, but, you know, uh, we've seen what 125 has been like all season long. Um, as far as the unpredictability, you know, that's uh, uh, Spratley's ranked as high as fifth in one of the polls. So, you know, just from top to bottom, uh, you know, all these matches are, are going to be really tight. I think. Right. And you, you mentioned Woods, you know, ranked second or third or whatever. And then Jameson, I mean, Woods keeps things close. So you, we've seen that, you know, if he doesn't stay on top of the game and keep the pressure on, you know, Jameson could maybe pull a, a, an upset there. A few, uh, a few notes about the, the duel. Uh, this is the 57th all-time meeting between uh 
Iowa and Oklahoma State, who have combined for 58 NCAA titles, team titles. Uh, Oklahoma State with 34, Iowa 24. Um, you want to take a guess on on what the uh, the series uh, record is and and who leads it? Well, Oklahoma State had such great success early mm -hmm. on in that in this series. So, uh, um, wow, uh, I would favor uh, Oklahoma State just because of their early success. You know, those first few decades. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to go with maybe a a five point or five meet difference, maybe five to eight point meet difference. You're very, you're very, very close. Oklahoma State owns a twenty-nine to twenty-five oh. uh, advantage in the series. It's twenty-nine, twenty-five, and two uh, over the fifty-six. Uh, oh, fifty-six yeah. meetings. So See, the two ties threw me off right there. Yeah, yeah, that was. But you're right there, five, four, right within one. Uh, interestingly, this is Iowa's first trip to uh, Gallagher-Iba Arena since 2019. Uh, kind of forgot that 2022 they wrestled uh, uh, at the uh, uh, the baseball stadium uh, in Arlington, Texas. So uh, first time in, in five five years Iowa's heading to uh, Gallagher-Iba. So. That'll be an interesting uh, experience. I'm sure it'll be uh, pretty heated and electric uh, atmosphere with the Oklahoma State fans. Well, you and I have both been to, to Gallagher-Iba. I haven't been there for a duel, been there for a national tournament. So at least I have. I maybe I'm guessing that you have. Uh, but view, it's a very fun venue. It's, it holds a, a big crowd and they'll, you know, those, Oh, yes, you. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those Oklahoma State uh, fans will get on the islands, that's for sure. Oh, that's for sure. Um, any other uh, any other general comments or anything from the win over Wisconsin or kind of looking ahead? Uh, this is the regular season finale um, before the Big Tens in, in Maryland. Uh, the second weekend in March. Uh, nope. I'm good. Good, good discussion here. Um, Iowa State, you and I, they were idle this last weekend, um, but they've got big weekends coming up here. Uh, both of them host Missouri uh, this weekend. Uh, I believe Missouri is at uh, you and I on Friday and then at Iowa State on Sunday. Uh, UNI also hosts uh, uh, Wisconsin in their regular season finale on Sunday. Um, but Mizzou coming through with this uh, uh, two really good tests for uh, UNI and, and the Iowa State here with uh, the Tigers coming to town. All right, and I'm going to, off the top of my head, I think uh, Missouri's ranked maybe ninth in you know, the dual dual rankings, you know, somewhere in one of the dual rankings. And then I think UNI is around 15th or 16th. Uh, so, you know, it would favor Missouri. Um, I think Wisconsin is is ranked 
I don't know if they even are ranked in the duels. Um, so you would think that, you know, in, on the UNI side, they're not favored against Missouri and favored against Wisconsin. I think Iowa State's probably favored in both. However, the big matchups at 65, uh, you know, that'll be the match to look for, Carr and, and uh, uh, O'Toole, right? Yeah. Right. Yep, that's uh, – that is uh... – that's the huge one that kind of stands out. Uh, maybe, you know, heavyweight there with uh, Bastida and um, Elam. Elam to a lesser extent. But yeah, that the, uh, the, uh, the Caro tool match, uh, certainly the headliner. And uh, what a, what a way for David Carr. To, to close his career at Hilton Coliseum uh, with this matchup. Oh, that, that'd be excellent. And if it, and if that meet went down to heavyweight and he, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know who I'm picking. I, I like Bastida. He's just been rustling lights out this year. So, uh, you know, but Elam is of course, you know, so good. Right. What, what a meet. If, I, I don't know that it'll come down to that, but if it does, wow, that'd be exciting. You know, and just kind of looking at uh, some of the matchups here with Iowa State and Missouri, you know, um, you've got Noah Certain at 125 for Missouri against Kyson Tarakina. Um, you know, that one you figure um, goes in favor of Missouri, but, you know, Tarakina, when he wrestles at his best, you know, he can compete with uh, uh, with a lot of different wrestlers. You know, Evan Frost at 33, uh, you would think, would be favored for Iowa State. Um, you know, you look at 41 and Enchiman Dia versus Edmund, uh, two ranked wrestlers, uh, but Enchiman Dia... Um, you know, you, you think would be favored there as well. Um, you know, when you move into uh, 149, uh, you know, you're really kind of getting into a good spot for for Iowa State. Um, you know, with Swiderski back, um, you know, he's got uh, Joffrey. Um, but they'd be favored there as well. Um, and then you got a real toss-up, I think. Uh, Brock Mahler and uh, Cody Chittum um, at 157. Um, you know, they're right next to each other in the rankings, even though Mahler is a lot more experienced and, um, you know, a little bit of a veteran there. Uh, but that's a toss-up. And, again, you know, O'Toole and Carr. Uh you know, those have been fantastic matchups and have gone both ways. Um, so that'll be interesting. Missouri, you know, you've got Peyton Mako at 174. Um, you know, he should be a favorite there. You know, possibly Feldkamp and, and Whiting. I think that's a toss-up. Um also, at 197, you know, that favors uh, Missouri probably pretty 
pretty heavily with Rocky Elam, you know, and then like you said, at one uh, heavyweight, you've got Bastida and Zach Elam, a top five matchup. So that very well could come down to that final match between two top five guys and the second one of the night, uh, assuming that they go uh, lightest to heaviest um, in the traditional route on Sunday. But uh, yeah, you've got two top five matchups, and one of them could be closing out the duel um, between two top 10 teams. So that has all the makings for a fun duel. Is that, uh, is, can we view that one? Is that something online or whatever? I, uh, that is a good question. Let me see if I can, uh, look that up. See, you know, maybe, maybe FS1. Um, you know, Cyclones TV obviously does uh, a lot of stuff with, uh, You'd be able to find that streaming wise, but um, I'll see if Iowa State has anything listed for uh, for TV specifically for Sunday. I think Fox has done some of the Big Twelve meets. And it's a wide out of names, by the way, uh, for those that are going to attend and support. Um, and support uh, the Cyclones. It starts at 2 o'clock. Uh, looks, like, uh, looks like it'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, yeah. That's right. Iowa State's on that. And I think Kevin Gadsden usually calls those meets. Nice. I just, he, I, he used to. I don't know if he still is or not. So. And I know Kyvan did some work at the uh, state tournament, calling some of the uh, finals matches in Des Moines this last weekend as well. So, um, yeah, that Iowa State Missouri duel will be huge. Um, how do you think you and I matches up with Missouri? Uh, I didn't look that close, but I, I don't. I don't think pretty well or very well. Um, I, Missouri's awful strong. Sure. Sure. But, you know, uh, you and I should be favored in uh, a few, you know, 41. Um, you know, with uh, Kale Happel. We talked about Edmund from Missouri, but Happel should be good uh, there. You know, I, I think an interesting matchup uh, – you know, is that uh, I think one fifty seven where you've got uh, Ryder Downey and Mahler. That's mm-hmm. going to be a big weekend for Mahler, won't it? Uh, Downey on Friday and Chinnam on Sunday. So uh, he'll get a, he'll get a good test, but I think that uh, that'll be one to kind of keep an eye on. And Downey's had uh, an outstanding redshirt freshman season, so uh, we'll see if. He can continue that. That'd be a, a a nice a nice win here as the the regular season finishes up. Um, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I don't think uh, Whiting will have much for for Keck Eisen, uh at eighty four. 
you know, 97, you know, you've got uh, Elam, that's a top 10 guy, and, you know, Wyatt Volker, uh, you know, that could be a, that could be a, a match that, you know, if he wrestles his best, you know, we'll get a, we'll see how he does against one of the, you know, top uh, projected All-Americans at 197. Right. I'm as much as we love, oh, we love why it, it's, I don't see him beating Elam. Elam's just so darn good. Both of them actually. Um, so anyway, I, I just don't see that happening. You know, and Tyrell Gordon, we'll see if, uh, you know, he wrestles. I know he's been kind of in and out of the lineup with, uh, uh, some injuries and stuff. Um, that'd be a good test for him too, with Zach Elam, uh, at heavyweight, but uh, you and I closest things with Wisconsin. Um, certainly a winnable duel to to finish off the season for uh, the Panthers. They're at the McLeod Center, so uh, if you're in Cedar Falls, make sure you head to the McLeod Center. You got a few uh, uh, duels that uh, you can enjoy here this last this last uh, weekend here. If, February. Right. I mean, it, the competition is at a high level, so that'll be fun for, for any fan up in the stands, for sure. Uh, one thing I want to mention, too, from uh, last weekend, uh, the NAIA uh, kind of had their their conference championships and, and qualifiers. Um, no surprise that Grandview um, dominated in the uh, – the Heart of America um, Athletic Conference. Uh, they got first place. Um, believe 212 points uh, total. Aiden Reeves was a champ at 125. Uh, you had co-champs in Jackson Cockrell and Carson Taylor at 133. Uh, Blake Gonzalez uh, was first at 149. Uh, then you had Dylan Witt uh, winning at 157. Alex Reynolds uh, was the conference champion at 174 for the Vikings. And you had co-champions between Isaiah Lowland, Llewellyn and uh, Jameel Coles. Uh, 197, you had Owen Brungart, um winning it all. And then Greg Hagan uh, coming away with a title at heavyweight. Um the uh, the conference awards uh, dominated by uh, Grandview as well. Uh, Paul Reedy was the assistant coach of the year. Uh, Greg Hagan and Owen Braungart, uh shared the outstanding wrestler of the tournament award. Hagan also was named the conference wrestler of the year, and Dylan Witt, uh, the former Cedar Falls uh, prep, I believe. Uh, was freshman of the year for the Vikings. So uh, I was a ninth consecutive conference title um, for the Vikings. So uh, they're certainly uh, loaded and ready for the NAIA, NAIA championships in a couple weeks. Uh, I believe that's uh, in Wichita, Kansas uh, on the 29th. 
February 29th through uh, uh, March 2nd, actually. So at the end of next week. Every year I'm jealous of NAIA because they got their national tournament in what, yeah. five, six right. days before uh, everything was called off because of COVID. <laughs> so I'm jealous every year. <laughs> uh, other other uh, uh, Division three information, anyway, uh, Co did Russell uh, uh, University of Dubuque and won 24 to 17. Uh, they they uh, won six of the 10 matches. However, they did not have a heavyweight for whatever reason, Coe did not. And uh, so, uh, and then uh, Cornell wrestled Augustana last night. I saw, I didn't look at the box score, but I did see the, 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 uh, the, 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 the I think uh, Augustana only won one match. So uh, yeah, Cornell, uh, it was like uh, 40 to three, I believe. Okay. Uh, quite, quite lopsided as far as uh, the final result. Yeah, forty to three, um, right. in favor of the Rams. Right. So then, Cole, Loris, Cornell, Luther—they're all off until the regionals, which are, of course are in Cedar Rapids on the 29th and the first. And uh, and then uh, I don't know if you check this out or not, but Upper Iowa beat Quincy forty-eight to three, and the University of Indianapolis twenty-nine to fifteen. To now that qualified them for a share of the Great Lakes Valley Conference, and that's their their first year in that conference. And they're sharing Did it. you ask if I caught that? Yeah. Yeah, if they caught that they shared the the, the title. Yeah, it let, it let off my wrestling weekend that was on oh, the yeah, front page right. of the paper. I, I forgot about that. I, I kind of caught it. it. I even read it. I'm sorry. Okay, my fault. Uh, but but anyway, they shared that with McKendry and, and, and Maryville, uh, which is pretty cool in their debut season. So I'll finish five and one in that conference. Um oh. They, this is interesting. I, so I had to look at the Great Lakes Valley. I had no idea about that conference. So I had to look and see. There's 14 teams in that conference. Eight of them are in Missouri. Four of them are in Illinois. Three of them are in Southern Illinois. And mm -hmm. uh, and then one is in Indiana. And then there's Upper Iowa. So, uh, and, and really, only Lewis University, whom I've never heard of, is, uh -huh. is anywhere close to a Great Lake. <laughs> So that's uh, funny. I, I just had to kind of look at that. Their super regional is uh, is on March second. It's a one day tournament in Minot, North Dakota. Yay! Uh, <laughs> that's a fun. So they'll they'll uh, reunite with those Northern Sun uh, uh, teams that they've uh, competed against for so long. But I thought was funny was that according to Upper Iowa the Great Lakes Valley Conference was going to result in less uh, travel and, and shorter mileage, less mileage than what they traveled with the Northern Sun Intercollegiate uh, Conference. And I was trying to figure out how that was possible with uh, a team in Indiana and in Southern Illinois and Missouri uh, for, the, for the most part, but I, I would think the Northern Sun was uh, a lot more geographically uh, um, convenient for them, but right, you know, most of most of the Northern Sun is in, as I recall, it was in Minnesota. A little, mm -hmm. you know, there's one that's way out in uh, Western North Dakota, I think. Uh, um, oh gosh, I forgot what the school is, but uh, it's not Mary. That's not Mary, is it? 
Marianne. No, no, it's northern. It's north or northern, whatever. Anyway. Oh, northern, northern state is that all the way out? Northern state, yeah. There you go. And yeah. uh, and uh, Kyle, the Warbird wrestled against them, so that's the only reason I know them. They're actually getting more competitive too. But so it'd be nice to go up and get reunited and maybe show them uh, a thing or two. You know that I that upper Iowa is ready to go. Uh, I think this might be one of their uh, best teams from top to bottom. Um, most balanced teams, uh, I think, for sure. Um, so I really look forward to seeing what they can do. Now, they I believe their national tournament is down in Tulsa. So uh, hopefully they have a good qualifier uh, next weekend. And... Uh, sending a pretty good contingent down to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the national tournament there. Right. We'll talk um, about that as it approaches. Right. And this weekend, uh, big weekend for women's wrestling with the regional qualifier. Simpson uh, will host the qualifier uh, there. Of course, the University of Iowa will um be competing there as well uh you know Iowa had an unbeaten dual season they went 16 and 0 in dual competition uh you know wrestled extremely well um in uh tournaments throughout the year um just kind of looking at uh what it looks like for for them um, I was hoping they had a list of the actual competitors that'll be uh, competing with I, their notes, but they don't. I haven't seen that, but I I did see the rankings, the top rankings. I think Iowa has three uh, three girls that are ranked number one, and I think North Central might have four, if I remember right. So it's really. I, me, those you know, those two teams will certainly be in the hunt when it comes nationals time. Right. Uh Emily Gonzalez is uh ranked number one for Iowa, 101 pounds. Um and then you have uh Marilyn Didi, uh the national champ, uh transfer from Augsburg. She's number one at 155 pounds. Um and then Kylie Welker. Welker. Uh, ranked number one. Um at 170, who's even uh, uh, wrestled overseas here during the season as well. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, I can't remember from a year ago if it's an open kind of uh, situation, but Iowa has like multiple people ranked at uh, some weights, like 101, in addition to Gonzalez, Sterling Diaz is number two. Uh, 116, you've got Brianna Gonzalez, who's number three, and Felicity Taylor, who's number four at 116. Um, at 143, you've got Reese Laramendi, that's ranked second. Ella Schmidt's ranked fourth uh, for Iowa. Bella Mir is ranked ninth, in addition to Dee being top-ranked at 155. Uh, we mentioned Kylie Welker and Haley Ward uh, is ranked third at 170. Um and then they also have uh, two wrestlers ranked at 191. So, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see how how all that plays out. Um, I believe the top four at regionals all advance. Now, I don't remember there being multiple entrants or qualifiers from the same school at the national tournament last year. I, that could have been, but I, I don't recall that. Well, it, one thing, I, you know, can they have it in the region? Is it like NAIA? Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, region 5 tournament will be at uh, Simpson starts at uh, 10 a.m. on Friday. Um, and like I mentioned, the top four wrestlers will qualify uh, for the national tournament at uh, Alliant Energy Powerhouse uh, in Cedar Rapids. So, um, yeah, just uh, I'll see if I can look up the uh, the field here really quick and see what what the. Uh, Entries are like for for that, you know. NAIA seems to be the the only one where uh, multiple uh, entrants are allowed. Right, and, to, and even that, even then, it's only a few weights. Where we, I think you're limited to maybe fourteen entrants or something like that. I think, I think but I think it's twelve. Twelve, okay. Yeah, I believe it. So you know, ten weights, and then you can do two additional entrants, but you can actually have three in a weight class and then zero at a weight class, I believe. <laughs> yeah, so you can do 12. Yep. Okay. So Iowa has has 15 wrestlers listed uh, as going or in the field. Okay. Um, McKendry has 14. Quincy, Illinois. Uh, Lindenwood uh, have 13. Simpson also has 14. Warburg has 12. Um, so, uh, one, two, three, four. So, if 15, Philo has 15 entrants, that include that probably includes all 15, uh, off 15 ranked wrestlers. Um, the brackets uh, aren't out yet, um, but with that being said, there, you know, Eureka has 11 as well. Buena Vista has four. William Jewell has seven. Um, so there must be. Uh, the ability to to include multiple wrestlers in a weight class. Um, so, are you looking on track? Yes. So, if, if it's also possible that they have multiple wrestlers listed, and then they'll make their decision as to how you know if if only ten are allowed, that could be. So that could be a possibility as well, or maybe there. There's slots at weights and they're filling them in. I don't. Who knows? Sure. You know, so. uh, there's only nine teams. Only nine teams in the field there at the Region Five um, uh, tournament. So let me mention them: Buena Vista, Eureka, Iowa, Lindenwood, 
McKendry, Quincy Simpson, Wartburg, William Jewell. So there's your field uh, at Simpson on Friday. Well, I, I think that's great if they have multiple ranked wrestlers like we just you know shared, that those lower ranked wrestlers get to get, get in and compete, you know. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. got the number one ranked and the number nine ranked. Give number nine a chance to compete. I like that. At least early on in the in the women's process here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We could be way off too and they uh, do just make a <laughs> Decision on who's going to represent them. Uh, there next uh, uh, this Friday, so. All right, well, uh, this seems like a good time. Uh, is there anything that you want to tee off about? You know that's interesting because it's a good segue or whatever a bridge to this because because today I'm taking a look at both sides of the coin, and that is. Uh, where in the where are the Division One Power Five r- women's wrestling programs? Uh, and so uh, I don't know if you uh, um, caught the article for, in the Gazette with John uh, uh, Steep. Is it Steep? Yeah. yeah, John Steep. That uh, in the U.S. Uh, the high school girls participation jumped from sixteen thousand five hundred sixty-two in in the seventeen eighteen season to 50,016 in the 22-23 season. That's a 202% increase. And uh, in the in 17-18, only three states had 600 girls uh, that participated, or, or more, that participated in wrestling. By 2023 season, 23 states had 600 or more. Um, to me, these numbers deserve to have a, a D1 route to compete. Right now, there's none. I mean, four, right? Uh, the NCAA is to add women's wrestling as a championship sport in 2026. That's projected to happen. So I say, come on, ADs and presidents, step up and do what's right. Let's get, start some more programs. Now, the flip side of that is, will adding women's wrestling programs provide a means for schools to drop men's wrestling programs? Man, I hope that's not the case. But let's look at Lindenwood University. Uh, we just talked about them. Uh, you know, both the women and the and the guy side. Uh, it, it, they're in the middle of transitioning from Division Two to Division One, and I believe they'll participate in their first and last, if they get a qualifier, D1 tournament in March. Uh, and Lindenwood has a huge history in wrestling in the men's side. Between NAIA and Division Two, they've had five championship teams, three runner-up teams, and and two third-place teams at those two different levels. Um, and they're in the process of dropping 10 sports, including men's wrestling, but they're not dropping women's wrestling. Uh, so, and, and then also, will NAIA money eliminate Olympic sports from the NCAA landscape? I fear that wrestling and other Olympic non, non-revenue sports will disappear or drop to club level. Uh, uh, will the transfer portal make a, mid, a mid-major athletic programs become developmental programs for like big and powerful and rich uh, D1 programs. You know, like for instance, if you know, if, if someone needs a 157 pounder or a quarterback or a postman, you know, can they entice them with money to, to leave the UNIs and the, you know, the smaller schools? If that's the case, what happens to those programs? I'm fearful of them saddened of what 
potentially could happen at college athletics and maybe even eventually high school athletics. That's it. Uh, I just want to circle back to uh, one of the things we we're just talking about with the uh, women's regional uh, last year. Uh, teams did have multiple entries in uh, at uh, at the regionals. So uh, just looking at some of them, uh, they were able to to have multiple entries at uh, at the same weight class. So I think that uh, answers our previous question there. So. Hmm. So I, I don't recall too many of them. I, I mean, it probably happened, but I just wasn't paying attention at that. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Uh. Well, let's transition to uh. Uh. The high school level here. Uh. Finished up the. Uh, Iowa High School Athletic Association State Championships in Des, Mo in Des Moines, uh, the four-day event, you know, was uh, pretty exciting. Uh, you know, it's it goes without saying, uh, its unpredictable nature was certainly um, on display again. Some upsets. Uh, um, you know, some, some high level performances, uh, just a real fun week. Uh, congratulations to, uh, team champions, uh, Southeast Polk in 3A, Osage in 2A and Don Bosco in 1A. Um, dominant performance there for, for Southeast Polk, um, Looking here to see if uh, I think they might have set the uh, team scoring record um, in 3A. Uh, they were just absolutely uh, dominant, which uh, comes to no surprise, right? Right. They had five finalists, three champs, of course, two runner-ups, a, a third, a fourth, two fifths, and a sixth. 221 and a half points to Bettendorf's second place, Bettendorf's 160 points. That's why I, I thought that they, they were probably they might have broken the record. I would be surprised if it wasn't. Third place. Uh, by the way, Bettendorf had one first, two seconds, and three thirds. Fort Dodge was third. They had three champs and a third. Uh, and then Ankeny Centennial. Do they still? They give, I don't remember. Do they give three or four trophies? Uh, three. Three. Okay. So those are the the three trophy winners in 3A. So I'm just trying to find here, uh, see where the uh, the scoring totals are here in the, uh, uh, actually, uh, I think they just came up just short. Waverly Shell Rock had 225 points oh. uh, in 2008. Um so and it was uh, what two twenty two twenty one for so three and a half points short. So just short, yeah, but a heck of a 
Uh, would have been uh, probably second all time. Uh, Ballard has the two A record with two twenty, and then Don Bosco uh, at one ninety four was the previous record uh, there for for one A. They set that in two thousand nine. So uh, just missed out on the three A record, and and certainly would be a record in in the other class uh, for Southeast Polk. But boy, they were they were dominant um, this weekend. Uh, Don Bosco, um, you know, Albert gave them a run for their money. I mean, that'd be a 152. Uh, that'd be a winning total uh, uh, a few times over. But Don Bosco, even Clayton Rush said they just have so many, so many guns, so many weapons. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to to keep up with, and. I think that kind of showed um, there them winning by 31 points despite an exceptional tournament from Albernet, you right. know, and then Wilton uh, scores 140 some, and they're uh, and they're in third. Right, so. 144. So Don Bosco had seven in the top four. They had three champs, and uh, they had uh, their seniors. They had three seniors, a third, a fourth, and a first, a champ. And then they have four freshmen, a, a champ, second, third, and eighth. So Coach, Coach Hartner is going to be very strong for a while up there. As yes. you know, that Don Bosco program is always strong. Yep. Uh, and let's see. That is their, I believe, their sixth. Uh, I believe their sixth straight. Uh, state title. That's yeah. um, nineteen twenty from nineteen to twenty five. So the last one uh, H amp that wasn't from Gilbertville uh, was Lisbon in twenty eighteen. So it, and just to kind of put this in perspective, uh, Albernet had a hundred and fifty two points. So kind of going back here, uh, that would have been enough. Uh, it, it actually blew out their winning total. When they won uh, team titles in uh, 2013, they scored 138. Uh, when they won in 2015, they scored 130. Uh, when they won in 2016, they scored 119 and a half. Uh, so... Uh, they blew that total out of the water, um, and it was only good for uh, a runner-up finish. So, there, uh, nothing, uh, nothing for Albert to hang their heads about. Even though, you know, you could tell they weren't really interested in moral victories. There, um, they still talked about how they wanted to win it. Um, but tremendous showing. We got a state title out of Rowdy Neighbor uh, at 120. He was impressive all tournament long. Uh, interestingly, you know, he beats uh, Akron Westfield's Kale uh, Morrow uh, in the finals, and Morrow beat him by major decision in the championship, the 113 championship match last year. So, what a way to turn that around for Rowdy Neighbor. 
Yeah, for sure. And Rowdy had such a great season. Uh, you know, good family, good kid. And uh, uh, other other place winners for Albert they had eight of them. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, quite a quite a few for the Pirates. Um, I think uh, eight uh, total um, made the podium for them. You know, they qualified eleven. Uh, Allie Dewitt was fourth at one hundred six. Um, Tayton Kufal was sixth at 126. He had Cooper Franklin that was seventh at 132. Preston Klosterman was fourth at 138. Uh, and then you had Reese Klosterman, who was third at 150, came in as the number 12 seed for the Pirates. Uh, Shaden Washburn was also third at 157. And then you had Emmett Fleshman, uh, getting fifth at 215 for Albernet. Uh one of the uh and we'll just stick with 1A here. Uh really impressed with uh Jessup. Um you know that was a team that's kind of you know in, in uncharted territory as a program. It's a it's one that we haven't really seen um up close, uh, you know, in that top five, top ten for a long time. Uh, they made their state dual debut and got fifth. I think that was pretty good. And they turned around and followed up uh, with a fourth-place finish um, in Class 1A, 89 points, uh, and fourth behind uh, Wilton. Uh, Aiden Bergman. Uh, Cooper Hintz, they finished third and fifth respectively at 106 and 113. Interestingly, uh, they they switched weights from a year ago and both uh, uh, won their second straight medal. Jessup, uh, they both come back. So they're part of that group um, that Jessup's building on. Dawson Bell was sixth at 138. Then you had Wyatt Vanderwerf. Uh, seventh at 157, and Kyle Bucknell, third at 175. So uh, Jessup uh, returns quite a bit from from really a, a banner season for their program. And uh, talking to Matt Gross uh, a little bit, this is something that they want to make the expectation instead of the aspiration year in and year out. And uh, I think they've got a good – group uh, that they're building on there for Jessup as well. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see those programs uh, build uh, like Jessup and Anamosa really uh, kind of come to mind, you know, that are ascending. Yeah. Obviously, Mount Vernon's been pretty good for a few years, but they had a, a stellar year as well this year. So yep. that's it's really cool. Uh, just a uh, couple other uh, Class 1A uh, things to mention, um, you know, at uh, at 106, Liam Edelfinger uh, came in as the number 10 seed, uh, ended up uh, coming from behind and winning in the finals against Hayden Schwab, 9-8. to eight. Um, Big win there, and he just, uh, you know, kept knocking off higher seeds all the way through the tournament and then came through um, – Big time in the third period in the 106 final to give Wilton a chance. Uh, Gavin Landers, an 11 seed. Uh, we talked about that last week about how that was really uh, 
not indicative of where he was at, and he proved it. Uh, just an outstanding uh, performance all week, dominant. Uh, beat Mason Shirk, top ranked from or top seeded from Wilton, twelve zero in the finals. Uh, but we kind of knew that was uh, something that could be in the cards there for Landers. Right. Uh, go ahead. Uh, three of the first four weights you, you've mentioned, uh, six and 13. And then at 126, you had the number four seed, Russell and against, I don't even know what seed, uh, in Morris from Cascade. Uh, so and those, number 10. Number 10? Yep. And so then those, those four first – Four weights, three of those first four weights, you've got some really low seeds that came through and, and shined. Is that's kind of neat. And then then it was pretty pretty much to seed uh, for most of the most of the rest of the weights until heavyweight. Then a six seed slipped in, but but uh, yeah, but those first you know six, thirteen, and twenty six. Wow. Yeah. Um, one uh, one more champ of. Note uh, Keaton Moeller of uh, Starmont uh, won the 150-pound title. Uh, he went 46-1 uh, and won this season, became Starmont's first champ. Uh, actually, was their first finalist since 2003 when Johnny Waltz uh, uh, made the finals and then became the first Starmont champion since 1989 um, when Kent Stryker won the final of uh, three championships for for Starmont. So uh, 35 years there, uh, um, a 35-year drought ended by Keaton Muller um, at uh, uh, at 150 for, for Starmont. And then another, uh, even though he wasn't able to come out on top, uh, made it to the finals, lost to Mason Knipp, uh, I believe a two-time champ for Columbus, uh, who ended up his senior year uh, 38-0. Uh, but Logan Wright, a heck of a tournament for uh, West Branch's Logan Wright. Uh, Runner-up finish at heavyweight. Had a big win over Cody Fox in uh, overtime in the semifinals. Um, he was another one. That I think he was uh, sixth and then beat the number three, number two uh, seeds to get finals. Um where uh, Knip won five to two, but still a nice showing for uh, Logan Wright and Cody Fox uh, of East Buck uh, finished fourth, and in doing so, he became East Buchanan's first four-time state medalist, um, and that's saying a lot because he did it all at heavyweight. That's something that's not easy for freshmen to come in against more mature and, and uh, physically stronger uh, heavyweights normally. Um, so a heck of an accomplishment there for Cody Fox, uh, who will uh, now transition to football and uh, get ready to join the University of Iowa uh, here in the next year. Right. I, I got a chance to ref Moeller at the Christensen uh, Invitational in Anamosa and then uh, right at, at, at double duel down at West Branch. And, and uh, boy, they really impressive wrestlers there. And Muller really caught my eye. I was not surprised. He's just a sophomore, but that kid's a solid yes. put together kid. So, and he was third last year. So right. I mean, this is not uh, out of the blue either. Yeah. Um, so a lot to still build on there with him. So here's how the seeds broke down in one A. Uh, 
out of the champions, eight were number one seeds. So eight out of 14 number one seeds won it. Uh, three were no, number two seeds. So 11 out of the 14 champs were either seeded first or second. Then you had uh, a four seed, which was West at uh, um, at 126. And, and again, that one was, I don't think the seed was indicative because I had him predicted to win it. Um, you know, and then Edelfinger was the big one, uh, the number 10 seed that won it. Um, and again, Landers being the 11 seed, that I think that's an anomaly. Um, shouldn't have been seated that low, but you know, what are you gonna do? Formulas, yeah, right? But that's how the, the seeds kind of broke down. And out of those, out of those uh, non number one seeds that won it, one, two, three, four, five uh, other number one seeds made the final. So you're looking at 13 out of uh, 14 number one seeds. The only one was at 126 with Kufal from Auburn Net. So, uh, and of course, West, they faced off in the semifinals against each other um, because of the seeding. So um, take that for, for what it's worth. Um, you know, two way you mentioned uh, Mount Vernon. Um, you know they uh, they earned their second team trophy in in two years. Uh, the first time they've gone back to back with team trophies uh, in the program. So uh, uh, kind of very good accomplishment there for the Mustangs. They had two finalists, uh, Clayton Perot at uh, one oh six. And then uh, Jace Jaspers uh, makes his second appearance in the finals. Uh, he was a runner-up at 138, but uh, Clayton Perot um, finished off a heck of a season, 46 and 0, and uh, beat uh, Fairfield's Kale McCabe 7-1 uh, in the finals uh, to give Mount Vernon a state uh, state championship. Individual right. championship. Outstanding job. And those kids and, and coaching staff at Mount Vernon worked very hard. So very deserving there. Um, I, I guess let's mention this. Uh, four-timers uh, in 2A, four-timer. Uh, potential <laughs> four-timer, I should say. Uh, right? Um, at at uh, 126, am I right there? Yep. Jace Hedeman from, from Union. In that scramble, if I'm remembering, what a scramble and sudden victory. Mm -hmm. uh, that I mean, that was going one way, going the other way, going and and uh, ended up not not going his way. Well, if I'm remembering that right. Yep, and Carson Doolittle uh, uh, from Webster City, forty-three and zero. Of course, a lot of people, you know, at least wrestling fans should recognize the Doolittle name. Uh, very accomplished family, uh, at Webster City. Um, I was talking to somebody last night about, uh, the finals match and, uh, they have Webster city ties and I'm like, you know, it, it's a surprise and it's not a surprise. Um, it's a surprise that, you know, I think everybody expected had him in the win, but it's not a surprise knowing that if there is somebody that had an opportunity to come out on top other than Hedeman, it was Doolittle. Right. Does that make sense? 
Quality wrestler is somebody that, you know what, if there's somebody that you're going to put your money on to, to come out on top that wasn't Hedeman, it would have been him. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's and it was kind of a theme, right? Uh, oh boy, <clears throat> we saw that a couple people in, actually a trio of people in three A that still were on, on track to to possibly be four timers get knocked off, and Hedeman was another one that uh, uh, do a little kind of spoiled that that run. Right. I mean, it, uh, and then you know, just to finish up in two A. Um, I, I, to what you were mentioning in one A, I think uh, ten number one or no twelve number ones uh, made the finals, and uh, the exception would be uh, Gast at one sixty five from Osage, who I had an injury. He was battling injury all year, and yes, uh, yep. and Weber uh, at one twenty that did not make it as well. So uh, the number ones fared pretty well. Yeah, one one twenty and two A was that big bracket buster, right? Yeah. Um, that was the one where uh, none of the top uh, uh, seeds um, made it. Uh, your final matchup was the number eight versus the number seven with uh, Gage Spurgeon of Eddieville, Blakesburg, Fremont, uh, beating Ryan Bonson from uh, West Lions six nothing in the finals. Um, and uh, here, here's one thing. Just I'm not even sure why I'm kind of bringing it up, um, but there, there's a wrestler for Eddieville, Blakesburg, and Cole that I used to love watching compete, uh, and it's uh, uh, Dimitri Boyer. Oh yeah. And Dimitri Boyer is on the coaching staff at Eddieville, Blakesburg, Fremont, and. Boy, I tell you what, if there's if there's somebody that uh, could have a huge influence on the wrestlers coming through there, I think it's him. And uh, I think Gage Spurgeon uh, is somebody that uh, I, I just have a feeling probably is thriving with uh, maybe learning from Dimitri Boyer. Uh, he's a freshman, uh, won the state title at 120. Um, you know, I really think uh, that's somebody that could have a huge impact on, on kids coming through that program there. And uh, I was kind of glad to see uh, one of their guys coming through with a big title and kind of did it in that bracket buster. As we mentioned, you had the number eight and number seven uh, facing off against each other uh, in the finals. So, And then at 165, you had the number five. Uh, Hendricks from from uh, Humboldt, and then uh, against Young from Duke Waller, who is you know we talked about that last week. Is it way low seventh seed? He ends up winning it and is is the champ, you know, and uh, undefeated champ. And so again, that's one of those head scratchers on the on the seating. But uh, he proved that he he is a you know undefeated champ. So. Yep. No, nope, for sure. Um... And then uh, kind of interesting, too, at 150. Uh, we mentioned uh, Hedeman from from Union. Union did have two champs. Uh, they ended up getting third, and they had, uh, I believe, 
four, if not all five of their uh, qualifiers placed. Uh, but Caleb Olson, uh, the re reason why I mentioned that, um, Caleb Olson, the number three seed, wins at 150. Last year, Union sent three guys down, right? Hedeman, Brayton Bonesack, uh, and Olson. And last year, uh, Hedeman and Bonesack both won titles. Bonesack repeated at 113 uh, this year as well. Uh, Olson was the only one that didn't make the finals last year out of their team. He finished seventh. I just uh, it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about how you know he was the only one watching what on Saturday night and he had his goal you know to be alongside them in, in wrestling and here uh, he teams with Bonesack to bring back uh, uh, individual titles for uh, Union after being kind of the odd man out last year for for the night so uh, good performance from. From him and, and glad he got that uh, title. Uh, you mentioned Animosa earlier. Um, you know they they forged their way into the top ten. Austin Scranton uh, completes a perfect season, forty nine and zero for the Blue Raiders. He beat Heston Johnson six four uh, in the finals, uh, following a, a Really exciting 8-6 win over Brent Yankovic of West Delaware in the semis. Uh, Scranton uh, has handed Yankovic his only three losses of the season. Yankovic comes back and gets third. Um, Scranton also sets a school record for uh, wins in a season with 49, beating his record of last year of 48. So, uh Good for him, and he becomes the first uh, Animosa state champ since Moza Fay in 2004. Right, and according to Brett Jones, athletic director at Animosa, that's Animosa's top finish ever. The Is it place. really? So, yeah, so real nice. And obviously he had – actually, the Scranton family, I think his brother was third, wasn't it? Wasn't yes, it? Hudson. Hudson was third. I think they went um, eight and one on the weekend. 150. That, 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 yeah, they went eight and one on the weekend. That's pretty darn good. <laughs> and uh, uh, I tell you what, Hudson Scranton had, and Mikey Ryan, they had two. They faced each other twice. Uh, Scranton ended up winning both of them. But Hudson Scranton and Mikey Ryan from Mount Vernon had two of the most entertaining matches of the entire tournament. Uh, one was in the, finished in overtime. One went down 6-5 in the third-place match. That went down to the the final seconds before, um, you know, it was settled. And, and I tell you what, uh, those those were some fun matches to to watch. And uh, both uh, both Scrantons, uh, Aiden Antonelli, um, as well. I, I believe Animosa brings back four or five of its qualifiers. They all but two uh, come back. I think one of the Wheelers come back. Uh, Antonelli, both both uh, Scrantons. So that's going to be a team uh, for people to, to keep an eye on in Class 2A next season as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's neat to see that program just climb higher and higher. For yep. And Scranton has a chance to match uh, Moza Fay uh, with a second title. Moza, uh, a two-time champ. 
for the Blue Raiders. Um, Scranton got his first one, and now has a chance to uh, to match that. And the only two uh, state champs uh, in program history. So pretty cool for for that one. We mentioned uh, some of the upsets in in Class Three A. And actually, there are at least three wrestlers that were still on track for uh, um, to be four-timers. Uh, one of them, Max Magena of uh, Waterloo East. Uh, he won three titles for Waterloo Columbus, transferred to East. Um, and uh, he got upset in the semifinals um, to uh kid from Carlisle. Um, Hempstead uh, of Carlisle. Um, then you had, uh, was it uh, Carter Freeman um, losing to uh, Coy Davidson at 138, um, which uh, prevented him from winning a fourth. Uh, and then at 113, this was still like in the infancy of going for four, but Alexander Pierce, a freshman, Last year that won it at 106. Um, this year makes it to the finals and gets upset by Norwalk's uh, Tyler Harper um, in the finals. So uh, Davidson had beaten Freeman earlier in the year, so that that's not a huge surprise there. Uh, Pierce, uh, Harper finishes the uh, season unbeaten. Maybe that's not. Uh, a surprise, but um, Magena falling in the semis and uh, at one seventy five. That I think that one uh, was the the big shock. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming, and and uh, uh, I saw the the end of the match and and uh, the Carlisle. I I couldn't help but you know I, I'm sitting there. Kind of watching the the crowd in the background and the coaches in the background and, and uh, jumping up and down and clapping and I'm going, you know, if I'm in the arena, my my feelings, where am I at on that? Am I excited for the 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 Carlisle wrestler that's winning it, or am I saddened for the for the uh, Juan Luis wrestler that's that's you know losing his opportunity to be a four timer now? And uh, you know, so I, I'm like, what would I be doing if I was sitting in that arena? Would I be applauding or would I just be sitting? you know, kind of doing nothing or, you know, so it's kind of crazy. People sometimes cheer for that, you know, just to see the, the, the record, the string broken. Others are saddened, I think. So that, that's, that's where I was. I think on. A lot of people like an underdog, right? I mean, yeah. uh, nothing, probably nothing personal, but you just uh, like seeing an underdog, uh, you know, perform or achieve something maybe they weren't expected to do. Um at least I would hope it'd be that way instead of being glad someone failed. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm just being too soft on on stuff like that. But uh, you would hope it'd be more of kind of, oh, wow, he did it instead of, ah, ha, ha, you didn't do it kind of yeah, thing, right. you know? Yeah, I think you're right, and I hope you are. And uh, it didn't look like the people in the crowd were, were you know, going raunchously or whatever, that you know. Right. Coaches, of course, were jumping up and down excited, and why not? You know, you beat. Oh them. yeah, oh they should. They God, should. I'd be a little concerned if they didn't. Uh, yeah. When you got something like that, just like uh, when 
Aiden Newton won in the finals. You know, that was uh, to stop Allard from winning four. It was one of those things where, you know, oh, man, you you uh, you feel for the kid that got beat. But, wow, you know, Aiden Newton just uh, carved his name in, into Iowa high school wrestling finals lore, right? So, wow. I guess, I guess the lesson is, the lesson is, don't, don't ever, you know, there's never a lock. Right. There's right. No, no one's ever, you know, even though there's a pretty solid looking 215 pounder, if it's mm-hmm. a second this year in 3A, that almost looks like a lock, but, but yeah. uh, you just never know. I mean, you know. Uh, well, I even look at Ben Keeter last year, right? Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the world that thought he would get beat. But even as a competitor, you saw after he he won in the finals against uh, JoJo Lewis from Hempstead, there when he was on his knees and there was a sense of relief, right? Where the competitors know it's not not a thing until it's complete, right? Right. You know, so. Uh, especially at state state wrestling. Gosh, how many times have we seen what's supposed to happen doesn't happen? And we saw it multiple times uh, this tournament. Right. And I think the phrase I was using was the only pre- the only predictable thing about the state wrestling tournament is its unpredictability. Well, I would say this: as as much as that's unpredictable. Your picks were spot on, and you did such a yeah. good job. So, really, I mean, that just shows you know the, the knowledge and expertise you have, in, even with this the upsets that, that were going on. So, <laughs> you did well. Nice job. Yeah, thanks. There, there's something to be said for luck, uh, I, I suppose. There, but um, just a few uh, local champs here in Class Three A. Uh, Kale Seaton wins his second state title for Iowa City High. Uh, he beats Jace Luna 3-2 in the finals at 132, avenging his only loss of the season that happened in the district final um, the week before. Uh, so Kale Seaton becomes a two-time champ, uh, finishes 34-1 and um, for City High. He'll be heading to South Dakota State um, to uh, continue his career for Coach Damien Hahn, assistant coach uh, Cody Caldwell. Uh, as well up there. Uh, he was one of uh, two city high champs. Kill Boinovich, the number five seed uh, at 157. He uh, he comes through and wins the title. He beat Carlisle's Jackson Miller 12-3 uh, to 3 in the finals. He finishes 41-1. and one. Of, course, of course, Voinovich, uh, the brother of... Uh, uh, Victor Voinovich III, the University of Iowa. Um, Voinovich moved to Iowa City. Um, Victor Voinovich transferred from Oklahoma State to the University of Iowa. Uh, Kale wrestled in Oklahoma last year. I believe he was a state finalist at Oklahoma last year, runner-up, now a state champion. I believe he even started his high school career, he said, in Ohio before going to Oklahoma. So, uh Found a home at City High and uh, won pretty handily. Um, was pretty dominant throughout the the tournament there. Um, 
And then at 144, Lynn Mars King, Nakaborn, uh, he completes a perfect season going 37 and 0, beats uh, Jakari Clark of Western Wayne Valley 9 2. Uh, Nakaborn uh, had two pins, a major decision, and then a point away from uh, a major. His only uh, decision against uh, an Iowa opponent this season. Yeah, I uh, I mean, impressive. Nakaborn just all season with all the pins and really early first period, lots of first period pins throughout the season. Uh, I, I did want to back up to City High and just mention, you know, there's times when you're a coach and, a, and a, any medal, but it's, you know, like an eighth place medal can mean just as much sometimes as a championship medal to me because I know what it took for that athlete to, to do that. And I wanted to mention Jake Mitchell because I think he's been undersized all season. You know, he's, he's probably helping the team, you know, uh, Seton's at 32 and uh, Kurtz is at 38. Kale Kurtz is at 38. And so, you know, I think it looks to me like Jake has bumped up one or two weights to yeah. help. He still takes that home in eighth place medal. So I wanted to mention that. I thought that was pretty cool. And I want to mention this about Jake Mitchell, too, that maybe a lot of people don't really understand um, about him as an overall athlete. You know, he, he was somebody that in the fall was a member of the state qualifying golf team and was a starter and a key uh, contributor on defense for the City High football team. Um, and, of course, he was part of the – City High football team that I believe made the semifinals uh, a season or two ago. Um, he's also been a part of a state uh, uh, qualifying baseball team. Of course, his dad, uh, uh, Brian, uh, baseball coach at City High, was an outstanding uh, athlete, baseball player at City High and the University of Iowa. Uh, you know, of course, everybody knows his maternal side uh being Dave Gable's uh grandson and stuff as well. But Jake Mitchell has been an all around athlete. So this eighth place medal is just another little notch on an outstanding uh athletic career as a prep athlete where he's done it in four or five sports. And it's pretty impressive. Right. I mean I mean and that's that you know, for him, what 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 it, the mountain it took for him to climb to get that eighth place medal is, I mean, it's it's equally as impressive as as any other medal. Now, uh, on the on the other side, uh, the, on the Linmar side, I I felt bad for for Grant Crest, and I was really looking forward to that match that never really happened, or right, only the first minute or so of it happened with uh, Voinovich and and Kress, uh Number Crest the number one seed, Voinovich the number five seed. First of all, Voinovich should have been on the other side, a one or a two or three seed for sure. But it, that's what it was. And then, uh, uh, and then Crest uh, uh, gets gets uh, dinged up and and obviously a concussion. Went into concussion protocol and and uh, they ended up as I recall as I I wasn't there to watch, but saw that he uh, or heard that he uh, went out in a neck brace and. And on a stretcher, is that right? Uh, I, I don't. But I, I did. See I don't. Him. I don't recall. I did see him sit up though, and then uh, you know, so he was, he's all right in that respect. 
from what I saw. So um, anyway, that one, I was, felt bad for Grant. He's such a good kid too. So I would have liked to have seen that match in its entirety. So uh, then uh, I guess Lindmar, I don't know if you mentioned Griffin Schultz was fourth at 215, Malik DeBow fifth at 120, and then Nate Fish eighth at 126. And I better not forget Kendall Kurtz from City High was eighth at 113. The Kurtz brothers brought home medals. Right. Um, just kind of going over some of the other uh, uh, some of the other uh, medalists from uh, our, our Metro and and Iowa City area um, teams. Uh, Colin Falk uh, from Cedar Rapids Kennedy made the uh, made the award stand uh, as well at 165. Uh, I believe he finished eighth. Um, as well, uh, Ronan Thomas and uh, Jean Nagoma, um, uh, Cedar Rapids Xavier, uh, they both finished uh, seventh. Kind of interesting, uh, I believe Nagoma wrestled behind Thomas last year at 170 pounds, uh, now at 215. Um, so both of them uh, come away with medals as well. Um, Cedar Rapids Prairie, uh, they had a few uh, medalists. Dylan Munson was sixth at 106. Uh, Tyler Tyler Lee was seventh uh, at 132. Uh, Alex Bumba fifth at 144. Uh, and then Wyatt Vlasic seventh uh, at 157. I also believe uh, Vlasic was honored um, uh, as a student athlete. Um, during the tournament as well. So uh, congratulations to him for that. Uh, you know, always, always love seeing uh, athletes perform well on the mat in the classroom. Uh, Clear Creek Amana, you know, they've had uh, such a such a boost here lately. Uh, one of their best seasons. Uh, they had a couple medalists. Uh, Kale Nash was seventh at 120. No how. Uh, seventh at one thirty eight as well for uh for the Clippers. Uh, they're a team that uh certainly have some guys to build around. Right. Uh, then uh, <laughs> Liberty. I think Liberty had one uh, fifth place medal in uh, Vinny uh, Lima two fifteen. Correct. And did you see um? Uh, Rob Gray's story on Vinny Lima, um, I think it was maybe from the quarterfinals. Um, his uh, his youth coach was Alan Freed, and Alan Freed made an appearance um, in Des Moines, driving all the way to uh, Des Moines from uh, Montana or somewhere in the Northwest to come and, and watch him compete. In his final state tournament, and uh, he made the semifinals, lost to Deshaun Ross, who, you know, let's face it, a lot of people do. Um, lost to Conti semi, but battled back uh, and beat uh, Andrew Price of West Des Moines Valley, six uh, three for fifth. So, uh, nice way for him to to finish, and kind of neat that uh, you know a lot of people will recognize the name Alan Freed. Um, the former Oklahoma State wrestler, 
um, who came to Des Moines to watch uh, Lima wrestle. That's cool. Freed was a beast, man. Jeez. Yeah, uh, he really was. Okay, um, I, I have a, I have a uh, just a, so, a quick little stats here. So sure. of the forty-two matches, finals matches, is am I doing that right? Fourteen in each of the three weight classes. Yep, forty-two. Uh, so, how many pins did we have in the finals? Off the top of your head, don't look. Off the top of my head, see Ross had a pin. Forty-two is. Yeah. Uh four. Stop at Ross. One pin. Really? That was the only one? That was the only one. Okay. You're right though. And then uh how many technical falls? Zero. Which you know that not many of those happened. Only six majors. So you had really? only only five bonus points in all of those 42 matches. Wow. So then you had four matches that went into sudden victory. And then nine matches were one-point decisions, not counting those four sudden victory ones. And then 10 matches were two-point decisions. So we had some very close and exciting uh, finals. I thought that was interesting. Very, very much so. Uh, what's that tell you? Well, is, it, is, there, is there something to be deciphered from that as far as the competition or, or the, the parity? Uh, especially when we see... A handful of guys that uh, were still on track to, to win four titles uh, and, and get beat. Does that say something about the competition level? Uh, you know, right. uh, to get along with those close finals. Right, and I think we. I think I asked you, and you said there were five that were on track for four time timers that that got beat at one point or another. Uh, and so and to go along with the stats that I just read, I think there, I don't know that I would call it parity. What's the definition of parity? I, I think it's just the high quality is, is, is not here anymore. The small group, it's a larger group. I guess that makes parity, right? But, but it, it doesn't mean the quality is down. I think the quality is as high as it's ever been, or certainly is, you know, I don't know what years when you've had this, this sort of thing happen. Uh, it's right. just it's the quality of wrestling in the state right now is is high, very very I high. Think, I I would agree with that. I would I, agree with that. I think you know I hate to say this, but but because uh, there's uh, there's some things about clubs that I don't always think are the best for wrestling uh, necessarily, mm -hmm. but I think that all the clubs that are around have have helped develop that. They just you know there's so many people and you know. Uh, and these kids probably haven't wrestled. You know, it's not the first time they've ever wrestled coming up through the, their youth and such. Right, right. Uh, any other, uh, any other parting thoughts or, yeah, or anything like that? Uh, just kind of looking at. Uh, we kind of mentioned, uh, yeah, the. Uh, You know the programs we kind of mentioned uh, Jessup and Animos improving. You know predictions. Uh, not a big, uh, not a big predictions fan, just because you never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, especially when you're dealing with high school kids and and stuff, it's almost uh, almost impossible to pinpoint what's going to happen. But 
did did get all three uh the top three teams in order in all three classes so went nine for nine there um and then 27 out of 42 champs i think that's like a 64 percent um you know that's a solid c maybe a little bit better but uh the thing that was i thought was a little uh impressive uh 36 out of the um 42 predicted champions were in the finals so uh Nine nine wrestlers were went away from from winning titles that we had uh, predicted. So uh, right there for for a handful of others, but uh, not bad, not bad. I'll take I'll take it. That's why you're the best. Uh, one thing I do want to mention uh, quickly uh, for the first time, uh, the Gazette is coming up with an all uh, area team for boys and girls. Uh, Riley, uh, Riley Cole, who spearheaded our uh, uh, girls coverage this year, she's going to have uh, um, the all area girls team for wrestling. We've done that for football. We've done it for uh, basketball for a couple of years. Now we're going to do it for, and we've done it for volleyball as well. Uh, we're going to do that for for wrestling this year uh, in. I have the boys. I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm having a very, very tough time deciphering some things. Uh, we'll do a wrestler of the year, and I have it whittled down to five candidates or five finalists, I guess you could say. Um, we do five finalists for our uh, athlete of the year at the end of the year, so I figured uh, we'll mention five finalists. Um those uh, just uh, according to weight class, uh, I'll just list them according to weight class. This is no ranking uh, whatsoever, but uh, Clayton Perot, who won at uh, 106 pounds in class 2A for Mount Vernon. He's a finalist. Uh, Rowdy Neighbor, uh, junior from Albernet, who won the 120 pound uh, title in class 1A. Um, then you've got Kale Seaton at 132 uh, for City High, who won his second title. Um, in class 3A, then you've got King Nakaborn, who we mentioned finished uh, his perfect season 37 and 0, won the 144 pound title in class 3A for Linmar, and then Austin Scranton, uh, who went 49 and 0 for Anamosa, um, won the 175 pound class 2A title. We'll also have a coach of the year, then one representative from each weight class, and obviously, as finalists, those five will be on that list. Uh, as well so uh, just getting it out there you guys can see that that'll be posted uh, online this weekend and it'll run in Sunday's paper uh, Sunday's edition of the Gazette so keep an eye out for that and I also like to direct a lot of eyes towards our state wrestling coverage you know we uh, kind of going through not including all the preview stuff uh, we had three stories and a uh, three stars of the day um, that we compiled each day. So we had like 16 stories throughout the four day event. Uh, that doesn't include the follows like uh, the feature on King Nakaborn in Monday's paper. So 17 to 18 uh stories, articles of content from the state wrestling tournament over a four or five day stretch. That just, you know, 
Uh, I'm just very proud of the way the Gazette has always covered prep sports and including prep wrestling. So I hope you all take a chance. If you haven't seen it yet, go to thegazette.com and still look that up uh, and give those stories a read because it's uh, uh, a lot of great content on, on some athletes uh, from all over Eastern Iowa that uh, uh, it was our privilege to, to cover and shine a light on this last weekend. The, and I was going to say before you even brought that up, the, the, the amount of coverage in line space, I don't know what you call it, in, in, the, in the print is just has been incredible this year. It's really unprecedented. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's so good. And, and man, you know, if it was me, you know, I encourage you to, to subscribe to the Gazette because the, the, these, these writers, you writers just work so hard and it's, it's really, Incredible. Nice job. It's it's fun. And you contributed you contributed to that too with with our podcasting too. So you're part of that uh you're part of that machine that uh that we try to do our best for uh for the athletes that are out there. That's you know, that's what it's for. So uh really appreciate uh, all you do and your uh contributions and and your insight. Uh, you know, as a wrestler, as a coach, uh, as a parent, even and a referee. Geez, you are like uh, 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 a lot of hats, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, really appreciate that, uh, Coach Briggs, as well, and all that you do for the sport in a lot of various uh, uh, roles. And I'll even throw in a fan. I just, I mean, yeah. I just love watching these kids and and uh excel and enjoy the sport and it, it's it's a blast so thank you for including me <laughs> so that's awesome it's awesome so uh our last prep uh uh our last prep uh episode of the the season we still have a lot of college left to, to do the postseason uh coming up here uh in the next uh, three or four weeks to, to go over still a strong month of uh college wrestling to cover and with that being said, Coach Briggs, why don't you take us out on our friend's uh, tagline. Let's keep wrestling on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.